scrolling through the uh, toxic world that is social media and seeing there are a large number of people who are basically stuck in the past, uh, who are self-serving and self-important when it comes to social justice issues. Too often people express the thought process of, uh, like, what's in it for me? Um, Well, I was able to accomplish this. Why can't they? Or, like, I'm tired of my tax dollars going to, and then insert whatever social program uh, they happen to be bitching about. Uh, But when did we become so cold? When did the futures of our fellow Americans become so low on our list of priorities that we actively try to keep them down? And why is it that we enjoy the struggle of others who don't look like us, don't think like us, who don't live like us? When did we become so divided? Uh, These questions, although rhetorical in nature, uh, are questions that we, uh, as society, need to start answering if we're going to survive as a species. I've been on this earth for uh, 41 years, and it's worse now than I can ever remember it ever being. Uh, we're trained to hate half of the country. We're trained to believe that a vote is essentially who you are as an individual. Now, that last part, I used to actively believe was not true, but it is actually starting to come more true, I'm afraid. Identity politics plays such a role in our society that I'm not sure people even understand the issues. There's like a list of beliefs um, that as a Democrat or a Republican, you have to subscribe to depending on which letter you represent. It's like a modern day gang. And we're having what's seems to be like modern day gang wars only much worse though because it's everyone's lives at stake here it's not just a neighborhood that's going you know that's getting beat down it's an entire country Uh, the issues that divide us are so black and white and they're only black and white in their presentation though Um, and they fail to recognize the shades of gray that ultimately fill the vast majority of these issues. Like with abortion, it's either women's rights or murder. No gray area. With guns, it's either arm everyone to the teeth or remove all guns. Once again, no gray areas. You either love the president to a fault or you blindly hate him for no reason other than the party that he represents. But does it have to be this way? And who is to blame for these undeniable truths? Can we say the very institutions in power are responsible for pitting us against each other? We absolutely could. But the question that I have trouble with, and I've mulled over and I can't figure it out, is what is in it for them? Like, what gains, if any, do they get from a completely divided America? Does it help them politically? Does it help them financially or morally? Or is it, um, is it the orbit that we've gotten uh, stuck in and we can't figure out how to claw our way back out of it? And if that's the case, what is the answer to change the trajectory of the sinking ship before we all drown in our own misguided hate for one another? 
I'm saying these things in the form of questions because I honestly don't have the answer to these seemingly easy questions. But with political propaganda and the propaganda machine and news hosts spewing factless rhetoric and polarizing candidates that only have their own political agenda in mind, these questions, or rather the answers to these questions, are buried in a divided house with not so much as a map or a candle to burn to guide us to them. I take absolutely no joy in saying this. I wish this were not the case. I bet... uh, I wish the answers would just hit us one day. Like all of a sudden, we just know how to successfully govern. But at this point, it seems so unrealistic that I'm not so sure it'll ever happen in my lifetime. On the minds of many, and at the source of the divide, you have the pandemic. All things pandemic separate the right and the left. Democrats out of the gate took it seriously and wanted protective measures put in place immediately. The right still deny the effectiveness of preventative measures, doubt the seriousness of it, and refuse to put mandates in place to rid a country of a virus that's killed almost 700,000 people. In fact, we have top politicians in the Republican Party who are making laws preventing preventative measures and preventing companies and schools from requiring masks and vaccines. They are doing this because they want their freedoms, they say. They are making laws that tell private business that they can't require masks and vaccines in their own place. That is the ridiculous thought process they have. So companies no longer have the freedom to make that choice for their own business. I'm not sure where the freedom is in that decision. To me, it sounds like they're only worried about their own freedoms and they will protect them at the cost of everyone else. Let's get back to COVID-19. Here is what we're going to do. And I... Because I've been relatively partisan. I mean, who am I kidding? I've been pretty partisan as far as the other episodes go. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, not take a partisan side. Just going to look at the data and the data only. Just the facts, just the data. And I got them from I got all of my information from nonpartisan sites people that don't have the people that just follow the science here are the facts on COVID as of Tuesday night 663,913 people in the United States have died of COVID-19 that's according to Johns Hopkins University According to the um, the Census Bureau, um, there's 331.4 million people in the country. So, when you're doing the math, that means one in 500 Americans have died of COVID-19. One in 500. That is, I mean, that is a lot. That that does that put it into perspective of how serious this is? Well, I mean, almost 700,000 people. 
Like if you add all of our casualties of every single war that we've ever had in this country, it doesn't equal the amount of people that have died of COVID-19. 99% of new COVID deaths are unvaccinated people. The vaccines work, guys. 99%. Masks, while not 100%, as nothing is, have been proven to decrease the possibility of the virus spreading by up to 80%. Every other nation in the world has fewer COVID deaths than the U.S. The U.S., makes up only 3% of the world's population, yet it makes up over 25% of the COVID deaths. These are just the facts, guys. I'm not saying this for any other reason other than the fact that these things are true. These are the truths of this this pandemic. So the fact that we have these Republican lawmakers making laws that are, you know, that are crippling our ability to protect our neighbors, our family, our friends, ourselves is just absurd. It's just absurd. So like I said, I'm, I'm putting these partisan arguments aside, but to me, based on the numbers, it looks like a serious issue and the preventative measures work and need to be taken. Now I'm typically left-leaning on, I know that. And I, um, I understand that right-wing audience is not going to listen to me. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to any Democrat, but for the love of God, listen to the numbers. Listen to the cold, hard, undeniable facts. Let's make an honest decision based on these facts. So now that you've done that, if your decision is that COVID-19 isn't serious and you won't get vaccinated and refuse to wear a mask and think that this is the way to go, then I want you to do one more thing for me. Go to your gun cabinet. I assume that you have one. Grab your biggest gun, the one the Democrats want to steal from you. Load it. Put the barrel in your mouth and shoot. Because if you're not going to save yourself or allow us to save you, there's no point. We don't need you getting everybody else sick. You're losing your freedoms. There's a there's a border crisis. The blacks are getting a free ride tired of the Democrats taking your tax dollars and the less for and giving them to the less fortunate. This solves all of that. Follow the instructions to a T and all of those problems are solved. And so are ours. It's win-win. Some people say, oh, Eric, you're being overdramatic, you know, uh, you know, people that, that don't want to take the vaccine or don't want to wear masks, you know, they just, they just, they're extra careful or whatever. That's not really the case. I mean, tell that to Bob Inyard. 
Well, that's right, you can't because he's dead. Um, you know, there's uh, Fred Williams said, you know, he was a radio science, uh, real science radio host or whatever. And this Bob Inyard was his co-host, actually. And, um, you know, Fred Williams said, well, you know, Bob was one of the smartest people I know. Um, but he wouldn't take the coronavirus seriously. He said that, uh, you know, he said we have a right and even obligation to worship God. And that's without government interference, which I don't know what that has anything to do with the coronavirus. But, but, um, an August, uh, 2021 COVID update, uh, to the radio show host, uh, said Inyart and his wife, Cheryl, have sworn off taking the Pfizer, Moderna, or Johnson & Johnson vaccines. Inyart is one of several conservative radio state, or radio hosts who passed away recently from COVID-19 complications after complaining about masks and expressing skepticism about vaccines. Dick Farrell, a Florida-based talk radio host, passed away uh, from covid in, in August, and as did Nashville-based host Phil Valentine, who was 65 when he died. Mark Bernier, another Florida-based conservative radio host and an outspoken opponent of masking and vaccine, also died of COVID-19 last month. I mean, it, it's... It, do, do you see a pattern, guys? Like, at some point... It's just going to have to get mandated so we can save you guys from yourselves. At some point, you need to uh, just say, just admit it. You're wrong. It's okay to be wrong. You know, be a skeptic. Challenge everything. Question everything. But God damn it, when you're wrong, fucking admit it and be wrong. It's not a big deal. But it is a big deal when you keep pushing misinformation and then your dumb ass fucking dies from it. It's fucking ridiculous and it's annoying. Well, this pro- this provides me a perfect segue, though, into the next hot button issue, guns. There's no secret that gun, uh, the gun laws work. There's global evidence of this. It is just a statistical fact. There's no other country on the planet that has more guns than people, except for us. We also have more gun violence than any other country, more gun deaths, more suicides by gun, more accidental gun deaths than any other country, and it's not even close. And I've heard all the slogans that the right-wing nuts like to say. I've heard them all, like, gun laws only take guns away from law-abiding citizens' hands. And after a mass shooting, they always say something to the effect, well, if there would have been a a licensed gun owner there, things would have been different. Or I need my guns to protect my family. But here's the thing. Of all the mass shootings that have happened in the U.S., very small percentage, in fact, a fraction of 1%, have been slowed down, even slowed down by an armed civilian. It just doesn't happen. If it was going to happen, I hear it all the time, you know, like, oh, well, if I would have been there with my gun, like, well, then you guys have had your, where are you? Where are all of these people? Where are all of these, these good guys with guns? Anytime there's a mass shooter, they're not, they're never around. Where are you? You had your chance, but I'm sorry. I'm not going to sit back and just allow 
schools and fucking and innocent people just to get shot up on the on the chance that maybe somebody there has a gun and the balls to use it. That's just it. I'm sure there have been licensed gun owners and gun carriers in these mass shooting or in and around these mass shooting things, but nobody has the guts to stand up. A gun, <sighs> the gun laws work. They just do. We, there's, 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 uh, so many statistics that prove that they work. Uh, for example, the UK has some pretty strict gun laws and they are very much like us in, in pretty much every way. They govern a lot like we do. Um, their citizens are a lot like us because a lot of us derive from that country. So when they, and when they implemented their strict gun laws, guess what? Now you are 30 times, three zero, 30 times more likely to be a victim of gun violence in the U.S. than you are in the U.K. Canada put very relaxed gun laws, but they're stricter than ours. And guess what? You're eight times more likely to be a victim of gun violence here than you are there. It is just a statistical fact that when countries implement gun laws, the fucking gun violence goes down. I mean, it's common sense, but it also, I mean, it's like been tried and tested guys. It is not, it's no longer up for debate. It's not up for debate. We already know that these are facts. It's, I don't know, gun laws, uh, are more lax now in this country than they've ever been. And here's the thing, you know, you people want to push the second amendment and I get it. It is the second amendment that um, the government shall not interfere with your right to have and bear arms or keep and bear arms. So that's fine. But when the second amendment was written, the best marksman on the planet could maybe get two shots off two in a minute's time maybe two the very best now anybody with a trigger finger can get off 200 with a weapon that they can buy legally so it's it's mind blowing that um, that people still fight against these common sense gun laws I'm not saying we have to take all guns away, but we have to seriously look into who we're allowing to have guns. We we have far too many crazy people with guns. Clearly we do. We've got to find a way to mitigate that, to mitigate the the amount of people, we to limit the danger of of a society that's so hell-bent on being armed. It's, I don't know, it's, it's pretty disheartening though, because this is, a, this is a growing problem. You know, we had more gun deaths than we had automobile deaths. And that's another thing. In the seventies and the eighties, we had our automobile accident, like our, the, the fatalities that we had in auto accidents was sky high. It was sky high. Now, what did we do as a government and as a society 
about that? Did we just say, well, it's just going to happen. Well, you can't make a... No, we didn't. What, what did we do? We implemented seatbelt laws. We imp- we made uh, car manufacturers, you know, have airbags that, that they had to put them in. We made uh, safety, we set up safety regulations that car manufacturers had to adhere to in order for their cars to be able to be sold. We did all of these things to, to limit the number of fatalities. And guess what? It used to be in the 200,000 range. And last year, it was like 29,000. I mean, you were talking about night and day difference just by adding some laws. You mean to tell me we can't do that with guns? We had 40,000 gun deaths last year. 40,000. Great Britain had three. I mean, Japan had two. We had 40,000. Suicide being the biggest one. Now, if you made it to work, people that were emotionally unstable or had some mental health issues that were thinking about committing suicide, if you were able to keep the guns out of their hands, see, a gun is a fast, easy way that you know is almost always going to work. But if they had to do it a different way, like they may think twice about it if they know it's possibly going to be painful or or maybe just maybe we might get lucky and they don't succeed. But when they shoot themselves in the head, they nearly always succeed. We've got to do something about this because it's it's out of control. And and you know what? I I have I have flip-flopped on this. I used to be, this was the one area where I was very, I was, I agreed with the Republicans. I didn't think they should take it away. It was in the second amendment. It was in the constitution. And I, I thought for sure, I was like, you know what? We can't do that. We can't take guns away, blah, blah, blah. And I was, I was not being able to be budged and I was hard line on that, but that was about six years ago. But in the last six years, there's been so many mass shootings. There's been so, so much happen that, I mean, it is undeniable. It is undeniable. When this, when this country, you have more of a chance of being shot and killed in this country than you do in Pakistan or Afghanistan or Iran or Iraq. Are you fucking kidding me? You mean to tell me that this place is more dangerous because we won't let go of our constitutional right? I mean, I'm, I'm not even saying we need to let go of it. I mean, but we need to get some laws in place. You know, it's easier to buy a fucking gun than it is to vote in most places now because of the new voting re, voter restriction laws. The ones that target minorities, even though they like to say that it doesn't. Yeah, a lot of places, it is harder it is harder to vote than it is to buy a gun. Second Amendment is what we we covet. So we hold we hold so dear 
and it's what's keeping us allowing all of this gun violence. But but the thing is, is and this is the genius behind the Constitution, is the fact that it was written in a manner that it could be adjusted when the times changed. Amendments have proven this, as gun technology has clearly gotten better in the last few hundred years, and we still go to the original Second Amendment when making gun policy. It's ridiculous. There are plenty of statistics proving that gun control works. There is data and research on the subject that goes back decades. The kind of evidence that we have with no other issue, yet we still legislate those issues. We can't move out of the dark ages on this. It's like we are stuck in quicksand. According to um, a study done by uh, gunviolencearchive.org, the number of gun deaths because of defensive use is less than 2,000 a year. As opposed to 15,000 homicides on average, 30,000 suicides, 3,000 teen deaths. So when people tell me that we can't have gun control because we need to defend our home, statistically your home is much safer without guns in it. That's a statistical fact. I'm not arguing facts. I'm not arguing. I'm done arguing facts with you people. I'm done. That is just the numbers. And if you don't like them, doesn't mean they're fake. If you don't like them, then do something to fucking about it. Like maybe pass some fucking gun laws. If the numbers are, if, if the numbers frighten you, then do something about them. Don't call them fake. Calling them fake does not make them disappear. It just makes you stupid. Statistics on daily, daily gun violence in America. Every day, 316 people are shot in the United States. Every single day, 316. 106 people are shot and killed. 210 survive. 95 are intentionally shot by someone else and survive. 39 are murdered, 64 die from gun suicide, 64, 10 survive an attempted gun suicide, 1 is killed unintentionally, 90 are shot unintentionally and survive, 1, 1 is killed by a legal intervention. Four are shot by legal intervention and survive. One died, but the intent was unknown, and 12 are shot and survive, but the intent is unknown. So one legal intervention. 316 are shot every day, and only one of them was a legal intervention. Now, I hear everybody saying, well, not taking COVID seriously because there's 99% chance of survival. Well, there is less than a 1% chance that there is a legal. So the, the chances of you dying of COVID are higher than the chances of you defending your home with your gun. So there's that. Okay. Pro-lifers, pro-lifers. Um, no, save the save the kids, save the children, people. Daily gun violence impacting children. 
and teens, 1 through 17, ages 1 through 17. Every day, 22 children and teens are shot in the United States. Among these, five die every day from gun violence. Two were murdered. 17 children and teens survive gunshot injuries. Eight are intentionally shot by someone else and survive. Two children and teens either die from a gun suicide or or, uh, survive an attempted gun suicide. Two every single day. Eight children or teens are unintentionally shot in instances of family fire. This is a shooting involving an improperly stored or misused gun found in the home resulting in an injury or death. So more times, uh, so there's, there's more of those than there are times where you would ever use your gun to defend your home by eight times, eight times more annual gun violence impacting people of all ages in the United States. Every year, 115,000 people are shot. Among these, 40,000 of them die. 15,000 are murdered. 76,000 survive the gunshot injuries. 35,000 are intentionally shot by someone else and survive. 23,500 die from gun suicide. 3,554 survive an attempted gun suicide. 483 are killed unintentionally. And 521 are killed by... By legal intervention. Only 521. That's not very many. Uh, 1,300 are shot by legal intervention and survive. 324 are shot, but the intent was unknown. 4,500 are shot and survive, and the intent was unknown. And 547 women are killed by their husband or male dating partner. Annual gun violence impacting children. This is every year. Gun violence impacting children. 7,957 children and teens are shot in the United States. Among these, 1,700 children and teens die from gun violence. 900 of them are murdered. 6,300 are teens that survive the, the gunshot. 2,700 are intentionally shot by someone else and survive. 662 die from gun suicide. 166 survive an attempted gun suicide. 10 are shot and killed by legal intervention. 101 are shot by legal intervention and survive. 89 are killed unintentionally. 2,900 are shot unintentionally and survive. 38 die, but the intent was unknown. And 380 of them survive the shot, but the intent was unknown. This is crazy. This, this is, you mean to tell me you don't think we should do something about this after hearing those statistics? And maybe, maybe that's what you need to hear. Maybe you needed to hear these, but if after hearing all of those statistics, which are a hundred percent accurate, I did not, I did not, uh, embellish them. I read them straight from the sheet with no partisan agenda, nothing. I just, those are just the facts. I'm only saying them because they're true. So after hearing all of those statistics that, that I got from nonpartisan sites, can we agree that we need to do something about guns? 
Can we agree that we need to make some common sense laws at least? So, now that we've addressed a couple of the issues um, that, uh, that are divided so, so deeply partisan-wise, uh, you know, abortion's another one, another one, and I'm not going to go into abortion because it seems like everybody already knows about abortion, and everybody knows and the numbers don't seem to matter at all on abortion because some people think it's murder and some people think it's not. And, but that's another one of those things where there's no gray area. Like there's a lot of gray area, especially when it comes to abortion. I personally am against abortion. I don't like it. I don't think it's a good thing. I don't agree with it. But I'm still pro-choice, and I'll tell you why. Because I don't think that that decision should be made by me, first of all, or anybody else. That decision needs to be made by the woman who it's affecting, and her physician. Those are the people that need to make that decision, not us. It doesn't need to be legislated. And, and, um, they can do, they can make that decision and they can live with that decision that they made themselves. Abortion is kind of one of those weird things because, you know, the, the, the Republicans are pro-life and, you know, they're against abortion and they think all abortion should be illegal. And I get it. However, what what the Republicans do is they attack the symptoms and not the disease. That abortion is just a symptom of a disease. What what the what the Republicans do with their cuts, their but you know their budget cuts and all this stuff, is they shut down places like Planned Parenthood. They shut down these other places that offer, you know, that offer condoms and birth control to to people who can't afford it. And, you know, the best way to get people to stop getting abortions is to lower the number of unwanted pregnancies. If you, that's the disease, the unwanted pregnancy. If you lower the unwanted pregnancies, you'll lower the abortion rate. And and abortion has been trending down for the last two decades. So the fact that that's like an issue that everybody wants to bring up is kind of ridiculous because it's already trending in the right direction. We know we have other issues like gun violence that's trending the other way. And you don't want to address that, but you'd rather address the problem that's sort of fixing itself 
And it would. Here's here's another fun fact for you. Of the people, of the presidents that we've had in the last 40 years, in the last 40 years, um, here are the rates. Like um, Reagan saw an actual increase in abortions. George Bush Sr. saw a small, like a, like a 3% decrease. Clinton saw a 36% decrease because he ramped up on educational programs and and uh, and funded some of these places that were offering contraceptives and, and stuff like that. 36%. And then, who was after him? Bush, George W., he saw a slight decrease. It was like 4 or 5%. Then Obama saw like a 29% decrease. And then Trump saw like a 3% decrease. So if you're if you're a one issue voter, an abortion is that issue. The Democrats, when the Democrats were in power, there has been 3 million less abortions than when Republicans are in power. Three million difference. So, it's not even close. So if that's your issue, then you need to be voting for the Democrat because they're the ones that actually attack the disease and not the symptoms. That is how you get ahead of this. We just constantly chase these symptoms around instead of attacking what the root cause is. Just like gun violence. You guys want to put people in jail and, and try to get rid of gangs. Get rid of the fucking guns and they won't have anything to shoot each other with. Guns are the disease. Unwanted pregnancy is the disease. It's, it's very frustrating that people that are supposed to be smarter don't understand this. They're supposed to be smarter. They're running our country. And they don't understand these things. And you know what? And, and people vote them in and reelect them. It's absurd. I don't understand it. I don't understand our... Like, I don't know if, like... You know, we're sadists or what. Or like, we're masochists, basically. We just like to suffer or whatever it is. But it's weird. It's weird how... uh, How often the American citizen votes against all of their best interests. Anybody that is not a multimillionaire and votes Republican is voting against their best interest. Hands down. Any woman that votes Republican is voting against her best interest. Any minority that votes Republican is voting against their best interest. So, 
it's, uh, I don't know. It's pretty obvious. It's pretty obvious. And like I said, I was trying to, trying to be nonpartisan on this, but it's hard to be nonpartisan when, when you have one side that is so radical and I know that Trump called it the radical left or whatever, but there is no party that is more radical like in our history than the right has been these last like five or six years. It is out of control. It's authoritarianism. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to live in a place that's, uh, it's run by an autocracy. And that's where we're headed. Whether you want to admit it or not. I don't know. But we've got to do something. And we've got... Right now we've got the power. But, you know, the Democrats do. But it's it's getting ready to go away. Because the they're going to lose at least the House. And they'll probably lose the Senate too. And then Biden... Then they're going to cripple. And they're not going to let him do get anything done. That leads me to the last thing. And then I'm going to get off of here because it's it's been a long time. And if you're still listening, I commend you. Um, a lot, Biden's taken a lot of flack for the, for the Afghanistan withdrawal. Listen, guys. Withdrawing from Afghanistan pulled really well. It was uh, like 70 some percent of the American people wanted out of Afghanistan, 70 some percent. And that's including Republicans wanted out. Biden said, let's get out. Biden did what isn't a general. He didn't go over there and orchestrate the plan on how to get him out. He didn't do that. That's not him. He's not in charge of that. He's in charge of making the call. The, the Pentagon and those military leaders are the ones who came up with the plan to get everybody out. And they executed their plan. And yes, there was some casualties. You know what? It's a war. It's a war. That kind of shit happens. As sucky as it is and as, as, as horrible as it is that it did happen, it happens. It's a war. They also evacuated 140,000 people. Nobody talks about that, but that's unheard of. So, but the ones that like to blame Biden for, you know, the, the withdrawal, it's like everybody, it pulled well, it pulled well, everybody wanted it. And the American people want, they want it. These people are our representatives. They are to give us what the majority of us want. And this was very, 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 very popular. And he made the decision and, and it was executed. He trusted the military officials to get it done. And they did get it done. Now there were casualties, but, but 12, I mean, as opposed to every other war, this was the longest war and I mean, I, it sucks that a few thousand people died or 2,300 or well, however many it was, less than 3,000 for in 20 years. Think about that. In 12, 
to evacuate. I guarantee you every other war when we were leaving, it, it there was a lot more. And I'm sure those presidents caught shit too. But, but back... Not that long ago, we weren't so divided. It wasn't so, you know, like we hate the other side. It wasn't like that before. Not before Trump. Trump really, really pushed that. McConnell's been that way forever. But he didn't have that much power until recently. But... The thing is, is um, we use... Oh, I'm not going to get into that. But before you go casting stones at Biden, just remember, he's just one man. And and in the words of Joe Biden, he said, don't compare me to the almighty, compare me to the alternative. When you think about that, we're sitting pretty good. Thank you.